The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Are you seeking more energy and ready to have more healings and revealings in your life? Then you've tuned into the right program. For the next hour, listen in as Reverend Temple Hayes, spiritual leader of First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida, shares with you tools you can use to transform your life. She will guide you on a journey to create a life that is intentional and dynamic. Now, here's your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. And welcome, everyone. And I I always love the intro to this show and how it says that we're talking about the intentional spirit and how you can have healings and and revealings in your life. And uh, to me, that's so profound because often, you know, people think that's a two or three time event in your life or two or three times of these events in your life. When healing and revealing, it is on a daily basis (laughs) that you have some kind of awareness or an aha or an epiphany or something that's beyond uh, some type of glorified happy hour and you, you just get in touch with something greater about yourself and you become more intentional with how you're utilizing the essence and power of spirit. I'm um, really happy today that the guest on our show is Diane Collins and she is the author of Do You Quantum Think? And I know all of us have been reading about her and wondering Diane, what is Quantum Think? Uh, welcome to our show and and uh, show us how we can heal and reveal by knowing more about your great work. And thank you, Diane, for the work you're doing in the world. Thank you so much, Reverend Temple. I just call you Temple. <laughs> I Absolutely, love the idea please, of Reverend yes. because it's just so, it's like namaste, right? That's right, Reverend. that's right. And uh, thank you so much for having me, Temple. I am so really delighted to be with you, and I love the work that you're doing in the world. And I love your introduction just now, because uh, it really is a way of life. And I like to think about the intentional spirit as being simultaneously, and by the way, we know the quantum principle, I've heard you say it on your show the other day, a both-and world, where we're both living in our transcendent awareness, you know, being aware and in the experience of the connection to all that is, right? Great, infinite intelligence, infinite mind, however you want to think of it, divine spirit. And at the same time, we're in our imminent self beautifully because of that connection. And we're living and playing all the roles that we play in the world. And as you say, you know, what's being revealed? What's being revealed about the direction we should go now? What's being revealed about our worldly purpose? What's being revealed in this very moment about how we can be within ourselves and another person, and are we experiencing, you know, that virtuous self, that higher nature that we want to be in. So I like to think of it that way, that actually the intent of quantum think, which is by description a system of thinking, a system of 21 principles, I call them distinctions in new thinking, and practices for the mind and awareness that enable us to make that whole system leap from the conditioning that we have according to 
a 17th century only physical is is real, you know, machine-like reality declared by science of the time to the new consciousness-based one mind reality. So it's like I put it all together to have that happen, but the intent of it really is so that we are living in this simultaneous great self and the individual self, or I say it very succinctly this way, that the paradox of and the beauty of being human is that we're universally the same and we're individually unique. I love that. That I, I love how you how you put your put the wrap around that. It's so so true. Actually, I think you could say that again because <laughs> so we can all sit with it for a minute. I'll you know, say that purpose. again. That's a profound bumper sticker right there. That appreciates <laughs> <laughs> the beauty and the paradox of being human is that we're universally the same and we're individually unique. Oh, I just love that. Um, talk to me about, um, and I'll, I'll remind everyone a number of times that they can go to your website, Diane D I A. Two ends, e Collins dot com. It enlighten me a little bit about how you and your your partner and and business partner Alan. Um, how did you get into this the path? And um, are there any uh, uh, shape shifting moments that occurred um, in the um, younger days of your journey? Not necessarily the younger days of your life. Uh, because I'm claiming you and I are still is very young. <laughs> I like that, Temple. <laughs> In the younger days of your journey, how uh, were there some moments that you went, okay, I can see a path here, or uh, did your path make you, or did you make your path, or um, are they mutual? Are they both? Well, days? I think, <clears throat> you know, several years ago, this was an, an, another aspect of my path, but I want to just share this anecdotally, is that I met the great, um, the great writer Isaac Bashevis Singer, who has since passed on, and he was 82 when I met him. And uh, I was having coffee with him, um, Nobel laureate in literature, and, he's, and uh, I said, Isaac, how did you know when you when you wanted to be a writer. And he said to me, he had this Polish-Jewish accent, and he said, well, when I came out from my mother, the mid, the, my mother said to the midwife, well, is it a girl or is it a boy? And she said, it's a writer. So <laughs> I can't say <laughs> But I thought I'd try, and <laughs> God bless you, <laughs> Isaac. But, you know, I, that... And that was uh, one of the defining moments in my life. But I, I'm saying that by way of I was born uh, a seeker, a metaphysician, uh, you know, all of the above. And I know that your, you know, all of us realize that if we we are living through this particular time in the unfolding of the human, the human comedy drama, that uh, we're here with a very specific, as I referred to that, and unique worldly purpose, and that part of the joy is discovering what that was. But what happened for me, I remember a few very significant um, incidents that I wrote at the very almost the last page of my book, Do You Quantum Think? I didn't choose Quantum Think, it chose me. Is that a few really quick, like quantum leap thoughts? Is I was four years old, I pinched my arm and I started questioning, like, oh, what's this? You know, like becoming self aware. And then later on, as a teenager, I started to have, uh, I read this article. Um, and I was reading about the Vietnam War, and it occurred to me, Temple, that there was something wrong with this picture. If we, as a human race, you know, what kind of people manufacture weapons deliberately 
to kill one another en masse and call it war. And, you know, of course, we justify it and we honor the people who do it uh, on our behalf. And, uh, you know, that's a whole other conversation. But according to, you know, your question and how that affected my journey, I just thought, you know, there's this great chasm, a discrepancy between how we know we could be the virtues of living that we aspire to, that all the great masters, the great wisdom masters um, have taught Jesus, Buddha, and all the rest, and the modern masters as well. And, and yet, why weren't we living it? And so that really started my <laughs> serious investigation. And, of course, along the way, you thankfully come across the work of, you know, Science of Mind and Ernest Holmes and all the others who were in that, as well as the Vedantic literature of the ancients who studied and documented and distinguished uh, the science of consciousness. And so, you know, you end up with thought creates reality. As you think, so you become. And the Buddha said it, all is mind. And... My question, Temple, was, well, if all you had to do is change your thought to change the world or change your life, why does it still look the way it does? And that led to my revelation, what I, as I call it, that even though I call it the myth of choice, even though in every moment we have the ability, the capability, the privilege to choose our thinking and shape the way we think, in fact, we are in a universe of whole systems and that our thinking takes place as a system and that even though we who are uh, on a conscious path, even if you don't, you know, literally say you're on a conscious path, and it doesn't matter either way because all of us realize that the way that uh, everything begins in thought. And so when you realize that, uh, as I did, that our thinking is shaped by the overarching worldview in simplicity, what we believe to be true about the nature of reality, how it works, the assumptions and conclusions, which are silently playing in the background of our culture, so as I was going to say, even though we're in a quantum age, our thinking unwittingly is still very much conditioned by the old worldview. Now, is this, quote, the truth? No. It's a way that I have distinguished something, an unfolding of our culture and our thinking, to give us access to something, because one of the very fundamental um, realities, I'll call it, of a quantum worldview is that there are no absolute realities other than what we think of as the eternal God, divine. Aside from that, that for everyday ordinary people, human beings, that imminent part of us that we play in life, because we're thankfully in a universe of energy and flux informed by intelligence, always shifting and changing, and we as the human observers being the focal point who can focus our intent, our awareness, our energy, and thereby add mass, create the resonance, emanate and attract the way that reality eventually manifests, starting with our own experiential part of it. So... We're in a quantum age, yet we're still very much conditioned by the industrial age. The world is machine. So as I say, not to insult anyone, but in many ways we have become automatic and a little mechanical in the way that we think. And because the old world view, part of it was at that stage in evolution, and again, it's an expansion. It's not, a, it's not, you know, the old world view, as I lovingly call it, Temple. 
an age of genius gave rise to machines. Uh, the scientists of the age were genius. But it seemed that at that point in the way the world was unfolding that we needed to organize, categorize, you know, give rise to the scientific disciplines. But the orientation around the physical really put, you know, the spirit and the soul on the side. And so our institutions even became uh, derivative of that silent background assumption of the physical being real. So when you go into education today, and I'm, I'm creating that it's changing now, and it is because, you know, the bigger education are shows like yours and the so many, many wonderful, valuable uh, teachers and, and shows and teleseminars that are going on right now in the world that where we're all coming together to distinguish these things in our awareness and to start living the wisdom rather than just knowing it. So, and you look in the education system and you realize, well, what, what did we study? We studied the physical matter, the brain, maybe the brain connections. But in traditional education, and this is the beauty of, you know, unity, for example, where you are, you do have that more expanded and up-to-date education. But in the traditional, conventional education, we have not been teaching thus far the, what I call the five natural faculties of mind. We're not in there learning, oh, this is, you want to create results in your life, you have to, you know, get into some relationship effective and hopefully masterful relationship with these mind faculties, the power of intent, intuition, subtle energy and how to use it, how to transmute energy, uh, resonance, how do we generate a resonant field so we attract what we want in life, meditation, which I consider a faculty of mind as well as a practice, the natural faculty of mind. So when you look at how did the old world view shape us, and you realize, you know, it was like a predict and control, either or. Well, to predict and control, you had to say, is, you know, energy a particle or a ray or wave? Well, it's either this way or that way. And you think of how that either or mechanism in our thinking, and again, it's not personal, it's cultural. And right. it's, it's, it, that's the great part because we now have the opportunity to make this literal quantum leap in consciousness, in the framework from which we think. And that is my passion. <laughs> and that is why I say I didn't choose quantum thing. It chose me because it was, you know, an evolution over my, you know, years of being on this planet and being committed to have us actually, how, how, you know, as in the question, having us go from knowing the wisdom, teaching it, coaching in it, to literally embodying it, to emanating it. I love that. I, I I like to say in its simplicity, um, I await the moment we move from knowing to growing to showing. <laughs> and I love what you're doing. And I, I want to talk more about the change your thinking, change your life, because that uh, that's is some uh, sometimes offers such great intellectual stimulation, but um, doesn't render to the depths of our possibilities um, to move deeper. Uh, I'm Temple Hayes, and you're listening today to Diane Collins. And you can go to her website, Diane with two N, Collins.com, uh, and learn about the work that she and her partner, Alan, are doing. Quantum Think. What a powerful concept as we're both dedicated to the work of knowing to growing to showing. We'll be right back after this short break. We'd like to take a moment to encourage you, as part of our Unity Online radio family of listeners, to support this ministry through a love offering. 
For your convenience, you can make one-time or recurring monthly donations. Go to www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Thank you for your support. Reverend Paulette Pipe's voice has been called mesmerizing, the sound of spirit expressing in soothing honey tones. If you're one of the loyal listeners who tune in each week for her program, Touching the Stillness, you already know the power of her meditations. If her programs leave you wanting more, purchase one or both of her meditation CDs, Touching the Stillness, her first CD, and the newly released Resting in Stillness. This latest CD combines Paulette's alchemic voice with an original score by pianist Kelly Hunt and will transport you to a place of divine peace. Enliven your meditations with Reverend Paulette Pipe as your guide and take her soothing voice and peaceful presence with you wherever you go. Get your copy today. Go to www.unity.org and then click on Shop. That's www.unity.org and click on Shop at the top of the page. What is the key to happiness? Would you like to find the fountain of youth? How about all the money and love that you could handle? Well, my friends, it is there for you. You just need to strip off the false beliefs that keep your divine inheritance from being attracted into your life. You need to be real. Be vulnerable. Be naked. What are you waiting for? Let's get naked. This transformational program with Reverend Heidi Alfrey is an invitation to explore and remove the blocks that keep you from emotional freedom. Listen to Heidi and her revealing guests as they embrace the power of spiritual nakedness as a guaranteed way to live an authentic and transparent life. Expose yourself to your greatness on Mondays at 3 p.m. Central Time. Let's get naked. No dress code required. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. You gotta get rid of your butt. It's bigger than it would appear. It hinders your forward movement when you keep bringing up the Thank you for listening to The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being with Reverend Temple Hayes. If you have a question or comment about today's discussion, you can email us at theintentionalspirit at unityonlineradio.org. Now, here is your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. And welcome back, everyone, and it's such a pleasure to have you be part of our show as listeners today and uh, reminding people to be part of our show that talks about the intentional spirit and seeing and being and how we can continue to, as you know, my passion is to be part of a changing world by reaching people whose world isn't changing. And because you uh, bring people to the awareness of shows like this where we educate and where we talk about possibilities, where we continue to enhance the ideas and ideals of people living out of a box. We have become a culture for so long of people being told what to do or where to go or what product to have or what uh, shot to get or what to take care of that it's everywhere now, even on intercom and, and, um, and systems when you walk into stores and you get special parking when you do special things because you're being told what to do. And I'm thrilled today to have, uh, Diane Collins because I, I know like she that, uh, we are not here to be robotic in nature, but we are here to be individuations of a great spirit that created us for us to think enough of ourselves to allow ourselves to be created. So I love having a guest like Diane and seeing the work that she and Alan do of Quantum Think because um, we we want to be mindful of, um, I believe Diane one time, um, don't recall who said it, 
but I love quotes and uh, philosophies. And it's the idea is that you spend the first part of your life developing habits that may play a part in the grandeur or the shortfall of the second part of your life. And I uh, am with you in how um, it still fascinates me how um, so many people are robotic in not thinking about why I do this. Uh, Why do I use a microwave oven? You know, why do I wear shoes that aren't designed really for the betterment of my kneecaps? (laughs) You know, why don't we think anymore about... Uh, the impact uh, that things have on us just because somebody else has said this would be a good thing to do. I know you have some of those answers, and I'm uh, a person that's ready to write down what you say. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Well, you know, the thing about it is that we have been personalizing this. And this is why I call very early in, very early chapter, I think chapter two, in Do You Quantum Think, that it's, uh, by the way, it's two parts. Part one, wake up. Why should we quantum think, you know, and this is what you're referring to, this awakening. But uh, in the early chapter, I'm calling it the myth of choice because <clears throat> It's not that we shouldn't hold, you know, people accountable or for the for the uh, decisions they make. But what, what I'm saying in there, Temple, is maybe there's nothing wrong with us because when we personalize it, that's where we go into the judgment and the blame game and, you know, why aren't people this way? You know, my mother used to say go out and with her card games and her women and they'd make these kind of nasty comments or something. And, you know, what Alan, my partner and, and husband and I call, they're, they're thought, it's thoughtless. And we could say it's an unawakened thought because what I'm saying in the premise of quantum think is that when you realize that it's a human cultural thing, that we reached a stage of evolution where we got lost in the mechanicalness of it. We didn't realize that mind, our own mind is generating the reality. And so there are what I call least action pathways. It's a term I borrow from science. And quantum think is not about science. It's about how the discoveries of science shape the way we think, excuse me, and how we can now proactively use the more cutting-edge discoveries, which are, as we may know, verifying the wisdom universal for of all time, the great wisdom traditions. So, and what quantum think is about making it practical, making it embodied in everyday life. So, when you look at this. You know, well, why are people robotic? Why are we that way? And what I'm giving a reason is that that's because the old world view, also known as the classical mechanical world view. So think of it. We projected that world view, that way of relating to the world in a cause and effect machine-like manner. And we didn't learn about how to use our mind. So as I was saying, this term, least action pathway, the way the energy or the thought goes, simply because it's been that route before. And this does actually, you know, create neuronal pathways so that, you know, a stimulus response, and there we are, having that thought. Now, I have an exercise I want to do with everyone to free us from that (gasps) once and for all, really, right now. But I just want to say something else about it, Temple. So when you look at it like this, there are individual least action pathways, you know, a way of uh, relating to your thoughts, actually I'll do it right now, that we can make a distinction. People say, well, how do I learn to quantum think? Because I say, you know, it's immediate. It happens in quantum leap fashion. 
because it's holographically, you know, the an illustration of these characteristics that it distinguishes of the quantum worldview. So one of the ways that life happens is in quantum leaps, an instantaneous shift in state that has no traceable linear pathway. It just happens. Now, we have these quantum leaps in thinking or in thought, I should say, in thoughts all the time, but they're not consciously generated. It's like your mind flips from this to this to that to that. And then, you know, depending on the meaning that you're giving these thoughts, that will shape your state. So when you're quantum thinking, you're doing this consciously as a conscious act proactively. But because it's a whole system and you have the realization, one distinction can shift the whole field, the whole resonant field of you. So I make this distinction, which is a distinction means to bring something into your awareness right now, together we do it, regardless of when you're listening to this, you know, beyond space-time if you're listening to the archives, and you bring something into your awareness in such a way that you transform your relationship to it. You create a new relationship to it. So I make the distinction between thoughts that you initiate, that we initiate or originate from ourselves. And this goes to what you were talking about, Temple, about, you know, what about the robotic? Why aren't we thinking for ourselves? Do we really need a microwave? You know, and what is that doing to us? So when you make this distinction between a thought I originate and a thought that visits, because one of the things that you know as a quantum thinker is that we exist in fields. Now, the old world view, which focused only on the one dimension of the physical, and yet we know we live in a multidimensional reality of the physical, of subtle energy, of the spiritual connection, of cosmic laws, of esoteric, you know, prophecy and yearnings of the soul, of the divine, the ultimate mystery. So we know we're living in this multidimensionality. I left out the virtual realm of mind, of course. <laughs> of course I would leave that out, right? <laughs> and that um, when you realize this, you're very aware that we exist in fields. What is the field? We call it a quantum field for short, but it's a field of energy intelligence, energy informed by intelligence. It's a field of connectivity. It's a field of awareness. And it's a field of mind. I like to call it for fun, the thoughtosphere, so that we're surrounded. You know, and you brought up about the advertising, which is also the way it works, that, you know, behavioral conditioning of the psychology of the day. All that was a derivative of the classical mechanical worldview, cause and effect world. Press on this, you know, you have to shove or push this to get something to happen circumstantially based rather than intent based. So when you look and you see we exist in fields and that the field is a mind field, that you realize, Temple, that this is why I call it thoughts that visit, that many of the thoughts that we have are not even our own. And this can free you right now if you really, really contemplate what I'm saying. To make this distinction between, you know, when I say the myth of choice, if you were truly at choice, you would not choose to have a disparaging thought about yourself or others. You wouldn't choose to have a self-limiting thought for your future or what you're capable of. So this is why I say the myth of choice, because those thoughts, those least action pathway thoughts, we don't even know where they come from, but we do know because we exist in fields, and it's a mind field, that we are picking up intel <laughs> from 
the surrounding thoughtosphere. And so thoughts are coming in, and, and so here's the idea of this. You don't have to own every thought that enters your mind sphere. You don't have to identify with every thought that crosses, you know, into your path as your own. And, of course, just because you have a thought doesn't make it, quote, the truth. So it's a question of having a new relationship with your thinking as a system, which I uh, was distinguishing in the, in the uh, first segment of the show, that the system of thinking is shaping us and that we can now proactively update the operating system, so to speak. So that's one distinction, one conscious relationship with your thinking as a system so that you can see the limits if you're, if you're having one uh, from the old worldview and expand. And the second thing is very individual, to create a conscious relationship with your thoughts, as I'm doing right now, to make this distinction so that you don't have to latch on to every thought that comes into the atmosphere. And, you know, when you think about this um, temple, we all like to know that we get quiet enough to listen to spirit, right, to those wisdom yeah. messages that are for us. I like to, I call it, you know, the silent, the invisible silent tap on the shoulder. Temple, go this way, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And so doesn't it make logical sense if we're picking up that, we're also picking up these other things. And our job, I like the way that uh, Yogananda said it, um, the great meditation master of the Self-Realization Fellowship, that, you know, he talked about it as static on the radio of your being. So in a sense, you know, the idea here is to live, as you said, in this continuous, how did you say it? Revealing and... Healing and revealing. Healing and revealing. It's a daily, it's really daily. It's really, it's a moment by moment because it's when you, the. in other words, we can shift the percentage, we could think of it that way, where we're clearing you know, this is what happens when, when you're quantum thinking. And I want to say, you know, quantum thinking is not like, I know something and you don't. The idea and the intent of do you quantum think is that you connect to your own awareness as you read. Because what I'm doing is I'm distinguishing something that you already have some connection to or you would, you know, we all have connection to infinite intelligence. So you know it. You know everything at some aspect of your being. It's a question of what are you going to tune into, which coordinates, right? Where do you Mm -hmm. want to put your awareness? So that's the idea of it. So when I'm saying it, I just want to say that, you know, my job on the planet, so one of them, was to have this come through me in this way so that we could get it, you know, quicker, faster, easier. So going back to Yogananda... So the idea of as we, when we make this sleep and we create this conscious relationship with the difference between having thoughts and actually thinking, then we are no longer at the effect of those least action pathways. And the way that Alan and I work with our clients is we say, you know, you have a thought, you know, it doesn't mean anything. It's just, oh, that's the vestige of old worldview, you know, mechanical conditioning. It doesn't mean anything. It wasn't, you know, because, you know, my mother told me when I was five that I would never make it, you know, you know, all these things. We don't have to latch on to those as the so-called truth. Because mastery 
It's a moment-by-moment proposition. And it's not like you have to monitor every thought, as I wrote. Imagine the agony of that, let alone, you know, the impossibility of it. But when you, when, what happens when you, the, the system, when you jump systems, Temple, it embraces you and it takes you with it like a field. Like when you go and drive in the, on the road system, you have choice, but it's within that system. And so you can only go as far as that road system takes you. And in this case, you know, it's a little different because we have infinite mind. But you can, the beauty of the seeing this as a system, thought as a system, is that you make that leap. You learn the principles. And you bring them into your awareness in such a way that it's you're going naturally with it. So you're never stuck with any of these least action pathway thoughts, and you're certainly not stuck with any meaning that would give you a less than joyful experience. Mm. That's a place to take a break because that's... Uh... That's profound. Everyone, you're listening today to Diane Collins. She is an expert, as you can tell, in quantum think. You want to go to her website and you can find out about her her blog, the various things that she does, as well as connect with her on a deeper level, and also to get the book. Because by itself, it has depth and Uh, 21 different ideas which can shape-shift a new reality in your consciousness of being universal and being individual at the same time. I'm Temple Hayes, and I want to thank all of you for your contributions that you continue to make to Unity Online Radio. It allows us to be in our 127 countries. It allows other people to be reached that have yet to be reached. We'll be right back following this short break. Have you ever considered that everything you think, say, and do is a prayer to the universe? What would your life be like if you activated the power of yes? Join Reverend Beverly Molander and her exciting guests on Affirmative Prayer, Activating the Power of Yes, to find out how they activated the power of yes in their lives, their communities, or even the world. If they can do it, you can too. Listen to Beverly Molander and her guests live every Monday at noon central, 1 p.m. Eastern, on Affirmative Prayer, activating the power of yes. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. We now return to The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being, with your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. And welcome back, everyone, as we celebrate the possibilities of Quantum Think with Diane Collins. Um, Diane, it's just such a pleasure to hear uh, the perspective that, that you offer. And you and I were talking about, um, during our break, about the, the value of being a multidimensional seer. Uh, the ability to look at things through a very multifaceted um, way. It's, it's really powerful. Uh, to live in that realm, I, it's even more than both. And it's, uh, <laughs> it's <wrong. laughs> you're it's right. Wrong. I call Not it actually. Any I have a name it. for it. <laughs> Good. I'm glad my you name do. for it is living fully dimensionally. I love it. That's actually the last. I call my the the system twenty one plus one. Uh, distinctions and thinking. The last, I don't, you know, I'm sure it's some numerological thing that's coming through me, but I call it 21 plus 1 rather than 22. That, <clears throat> because the 21st principle is the zero-point state. And that is the state of that, you know, where that click, click, click of the cognitive mind or the static that's coming in, right, from the surrounding mind field is simmers down in, in at, at rest, like that meditative state where you can live 
in that state. I think this is part of living fully, you know, main part of living fully dimensionally because when you want to create um, what you want in life, when you want to manifest, when you want to use the power of intent, of intention, that that is the state where we are the most profoundly connected to the source creator that has given us, you know, I say, this clay to create with. That is the power of our own mind and thinking. And um, so it's important for that state. And then in Chapter 22, which is the final chapter, is called Living Fully Dimensionally. It's exactly what you're saying, that you start to realize that every single thing in life has one of these dimensions. Now, it's an infinite possibility universe, so we could distinguish any number of dimensions. And this is the first time, by the way, in that right at the end of the book, I talk about money. If I never bring it up until then, because if you start to look at money multidimensionally, then what you realize is that, you know, when we talk about, you mentioned the word robotic, or I used the word, wait one sec, my voice here, excuse me for a moment. Okay, so when you talk about that temple, and you realize that how many, you know, how important is our economy and our personal economy and the world economy, the country, whatever country you live in, and yet we have all these cultural least action pathways. You know, as I was going to say before, we have individual least action pathways. The media has least action pathway of, you know, whatever went wrong is wrong or will go wrong. <laughs> That's the general, you know, typical conventional media because they don't understand, you know, what you focus on expands. But <clears throat> when you think about this, these least action pathways around money, the topic of money, and it's, you know, where that old world view, in the physical, things look separate, we look separate, we tended to compartmentalize life, personal and professional, material and spiritual. And so you're bringing up a really important point about living multidimensionally in our experience and in our knowing, in, our, in that profound inner knowingness. Because money, for example, I like to use this example, when you realize that money is a symbol, it's a symbol of exchange. What are we exchanging? We're exchanging goods and services, to use the economic term. And what are goods and services? Goods and services is what we express, and where did this expression come from? It comes from the yearnings of our soul, the passion of our spirit. And where does this come from? Ultimately, it comes from divine source. So when you look at money, just as an example, Uh, where we can go beyond the least action pathway, beyond the automatic way that the culture or we've been taught or it's not even, we don't even want those feelings we have about money because we know that is not what we should be holding in our resonant field in order to manifest. You know, we all want to have prosperity and we want everyone else to have it too. So we don't want to have you know, continuing, continuous uh, disparaging thoughts about our relationship with money. And so, you know, we're saying, oh, 
you know, another dimension of speaking about it is, yes, the greed and all that. And then when even when you trace greed, you can look at, well, where did that come from? You know, the fear of the fear of lack, fear of loss and all that. So it's always good to be thinking and living fully dimensionally, uh, particularly around something that is as central to our life as money, not that because money in and of itself is only what we say it is. So if we could create a harmonious and empowering relationship with money, as I just created in that little distinction saying, you know, ultimately money represents the creative spirit of each of us in exchange with one another, our contribution. Now, you know, of course, our great contribution is always our own state because we are exchanging, always emanating our state out into the world. And this is why a conscious practice of, you know, conscious evolution, mastering our own state, our own mind, our awareness, is so important because we all want to contribute and this is what we're always contributing. You know, like the great beings, they sat around, they did nothing, but they were emanating a great state. I'm sure when people come into your service, there's an essence there. There's a resonance. As soon as they come into your state, they experience your purity when they listen to your show, when they listen to you. So we are all aspiring for that. And then there is that imminent part of us, that role we play in life, those gifts we've been given, those special talents, those, those uh, individual proclivities, what we're drawn to, you know, whether we're drawn to being an architect or a nurse or a whatever, you know, teacher or a musician that this is coming from those yearnings of our soul and the exchange is made in contemporary society through the exchange of money, at least one of the ways. And it's a central, it plays a central role. So this is why, how I like to think of it, Temple, as living fully dimensionally, going beyond that automatic conditioning, questioning, as you pointed out, you know, why am I using it this way? Why am I thinking of money that way? And how can I, I'm not saying you should even think of it the way that I'm saying it, but at least to be in a kind of inquiry with yourself and your relationship to all that is and to one another in the world that we share and, and collaborate on, co-create, that we can think beyond our conditioning. We can awaken our thinking. We can be in that space of being able to choose our thoughts, to make a distinction between thoughts that visit and thoughts we originate. You know what's really neat for me is um as you you bring it down to such a reality of how the walking and talking come together because you talk about it so distinctly and so uh clear um it's really powerful uh, what you're doing in the world and i I know that people are impacted because um of who you are and how you model it. I really acknowledge the work that you're doing. I want to remind all of you to go to Diane Collins' website. Diane Collins, that's with two N's, um, and plural, collins.com, and find out more about her work and how you can stay in touch. Um, Diane, what is the closing statement that you'd like to make to our, our radio listeners all over the world today? Um, first, I want to thank everyone for, you know, being in this conversation with us because I also consider the field that we are all co- in this 
creating this conversation together, that the listening is just as significant as the speaking. And I want to thank you very much, Temple, for having me. But the closing statement, you know, what I'd like to say is that it's really important for us in this time of this great shift, of this leap in consciousness for humanity, uh, where the systems and structures that have been born of the industrial age, of the old scientific materialism, as it's called, of that where the, the aspects of our systems and structures are no longer effective. And we're watching that disarray. We're watching the, you know, falling away. And individually, you know, it affects us in different ways. We may lose a job. We may, you know, have ups and downs in our bank account. We may have, you know, illness or whatever in our families where or in ourselves, where it really causes us to sit back and reflect and where we can go to that quiet state and look at what's important to us now because the old dissolves so the new can emerge. And I think that it's important for each one of us to authentically connect to how we want to be related to in the world now. And that has to do with our worldly purpose. I call it answering the call of wisdom. And that when we get when we can live in that simultaneous transcendent state and imminent state of the everyday practical world and realize that we can live that way, that we can hear clearer. We do really live and, you know, are able to more quickly um, clear the static so that we can get the clear signals of who we are and the direction that we should be going. And that, Because what, what I'm basically saying is a, every one of us, belongs and is necessary and important in this time and this and we should be having fun with it that it's magical it's amazing and you know because of our technologies and and everything speeding up we need to be able to learn to think and sync with the way our world is going, to think beyond, you know, to live beyond time, not try to catch up, you know, the old linear step-by-step, huffing and puffing, but to really make this leap and enjoy life more enthusiastically, more vividly, because we know we're on the right path. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you, Diane, for being on the show, and God bless you, everyone. Tune in to us on unitycampus.org, and you can follow our weekly messages and our radio shows and all the other things that we have committed to changing a world whose world isn't changing for a number of our friends and family and relatives in all the various places that we call this amazing world Earth. So God bless you, everyone. Continue to have a great day. Thank you, Diane. Thank you for tuning in to The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being with Reverend Temple Hayes. Join us every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central for tools and simple applications which will support you from being alive to fully living. This program is brought to you in part by First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida. To learn more about this ministry, go to www.unitycampus.org or www.templehaze.org. I will leave this world as it is. The world is full of voices, advertising, Television, politics, colleagues, family, and friends all are too happy to tell us how to live. In all of that noise, it's easy to miss the one voice that matters, your own soul. What would happen if you could hear that voice? Imagine the clarity, confidence, and courage that would be yours and the life you could create. 
Join Janet Connor, best-selling author of Writing Down Your Soul, The Lotus and the Lily, and Your Soul Wants Five Things, as she and her guests explore how to hear the call of the soul and create the soul-directed life. Live Thursday at 1 p.m. Central, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Go inside to find my God. In quiet moments of prayer, let go of any concern. Anchor your trust deep in the realization that with God all things are possible. Never doubt it for a single moment. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. I'm Laura Worcester, host of the Intuitive Life Podcast. As an intuitive medium and teacher working with the world of spirit, I love to share the peace that comes with the awareness that our departed loved ones are still with us. And I also love to help people explore what it means to live an intuitively led life. Start listening now on mindbodyspirit.fm or wherever you get your podcasts.